0: Odd Trails is a true paranormal podcast that contains adult language and can be frightening for some. Listener discretion is advised. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show.
1: Forget facts. Forget
0: logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. <laughs> start off i'm going to give a little background information i lived in a very tiny town all my life it's maybe a mile long driving straight through it i've always been told for as long as i can remember about the witch her house was up the street from mine and right next door to my siblings and i's babysitter her grass was always high but there were always so many push mowers thrown around the yard she used to chain her pet cats to her porch, and it always weirded us out. She would drive very slow I'm talking five miles per hour in a 55 zone then pull over and flip my mom off or whoever was passing her as if they did something wrong. She had a job at a shoe store in the town over and apparently got fired for talking to the shoes, which made the customers very uncomfortable. She hated my best friend's brother and would cry outside their house for hours. Finally, they called the police. She told the police that she put a hex on their house. Ten years later, the house burned down. Anyways, on to my story. My three older siblings and some friends would force me to walk past her house with them, but she would just be peering out the window at us. They would always whisper things about her like, How creepy, or look at her grass. I never said a word because she scared me so much. One day, my best friend begged me to walk past the house with her, so I did. Of course, she was looking out the window. That night, I was talking on our house phone. This was before cell phones. And I had an overpowering urge to look out the window. I see someone walking down the hill towards my house. I keep watching and Somehow I just know it's her. She stands at my driveway and just stares at my house. How did she know where I lived? I watched out the window for almost five minutes. I was too scared to even tell my parents. Everyone was asleep. I just went to my room and forced myself to fall asleep myself. I woke up shortly after and I was very thirsty, so I opened the door and she was right there in my face. I fell to the floor screaming. I stood up and rubbed my eyes, but she was gone. To this day, I still don't know if she was actually in my house, if it was my mind playing tricks on me, or if she somehow put some kind of hex on me. My mom and dad both searched the house. They said that she couldn't have gotten in because all of the doors and windows were locked. This is a very old woman, so I highly doubt she could climb in a window. But stranger things have happened. This was in the dead of winter. My dad checked for footprints, and he could see where she was standing at the end of our driveway. But the footprints never came any closer to the house.
1: This all happened over the course of two weeks, roughly six to seven years ago. A little background. Currently, I'm in my 30s, and at the time, I was in my late 20s. My father and I run a construction company in Georgia. While we typically build new homes in commercial buildings, every now and then we would do remodeling work. One of our clients had purchased a home in the downtown historic district nearby and was essentially looking to flip it. Fix some water damage, replace flooring and a few fixtures, that sort of thing. It was originally built in the 40s and sometime in the 80s had been converted into three separate apartments. At the time we started working there, it looked as if the entire building had sat for at least 5-10 to years. All three apartments had entrances on the ground floor, but the middle one went directly to a set of stairs that led to the only second floor unit. This second-story apartment was where supernatural events occurred. Initially, things started with strange noises coming from the upstairs apartment. As this was an older home, I just chalked it up to the standard creaks and groans old houses tend to have. But as the noises continued, I started to investigate. See, the vast majority of the time here, I was working by myself. But considering the house was not in the best of areas and had sat vacant for so long, I had a genuine concern that maybe someone had been staying there. I would hear distinct footsteps walking across the apartment, distinct enough to tell when they were walking from old carpet, across the old linoleum, and into the tiled bathroom, back and forth, off and on at least a couple times a day. I would walk up the stairs and search every room, bathroom, closet, and no one would be there. When I would be in one of the neighboring units, I swear I'd hear doors slam as well. Eventually, I was working in the upstairs apartment, closing off an old skylight. While I was there, I didn't hear the footsteps nearly as often. However, there was a palatable tension during the days I would be in there, It felt similar to that feeling when you're in a room with two people who hate each other and you just know any minute they could be going off at each other. It made any work I did there stressful and tedious. I remember vividly one of my last days working there. It started to sprinkle snow, which in my area never happens. I had been loading things into my truck, and on my way back up the stairs, I heard a door slam shut and what sounded like someone running across the floor, followed by the sound of something getting knocked over. I ran up the stairs, positive I would find the person who I believed was squatting here, assuming I was leaving for the day. As I came up the stairs, I could see the door near where I had been working was now closed, which I'm positive I had left open. My six-foot ladder was toppled over as well, Once again, I went through, room by room. Nothing. There was only one way in and out, and I hadn't seen anyone. Thoroughly creeped out, I called my girlfriend at the time, who I had told about this place, and told her what just happened. She suggested walking around stomping, to see if I could tell where or what had made the noises I heard. In hindsight, up to this point, I hadn't interacted with whatever this was, but... Now I believe I have because of what happened next. I stomped around like an idiot for a few minutes and sent her the video. After a while, I get a text back with a cutout crop from the longer video I sent her. You can hear me loudly stomping. Bang, bang, bang. Followed by a light response of tap, tap, tap. And then what sounds like one of the old doorknobs being turned none of which I had heard while I was recording. My stomach sank. I had been holding on to the idea that someone was sneaking around here, scoping the place out. I'm a fairly big and physically capable guy, so the idea of confronting the person who had been giving me the creeps the past week didn't scare me. That was doable, but it finally had set in with me that something was wrong here. The feeling of dread that overwhelmed me was something I had never felt. It wasn't the familiar adrenaline rush of fight or flight, it was simply dread. Not wanting to stay, but also not wanting to return, I quickly plugged in a shop vacuum to clean up so I could be done. While squatting down, vacuum running, I had this feeling that someone was nearby. Not the normal, maybe someone's watching me vibes that I had grown accustomed to, but the primal part of my brain, screaming that somebody is close. As soon as this registered, something grabbed and tugged on the back of my hoodie, causing me to fall onto my ass. I scrambled in my feet, fists raised. When I saw no one was there, I bolted. I left the vacuum and ladder there and ran out into the drizzle of snow and into my work truck. My ears were ringing as I tried to calm myself down and let the cold air cool me down enough to at least go and lock the door before I left. I stared at the open front door for long enough and finally went to shut it. I eventually told my close family and friends what happened. They all wanted to go ghost hunting there. I don't know much or what the difference is, but I honestly don't think whatever was there was a ghost. That was my experience and I'm sure I'm missing a few other events but the story doesn't quite end there. About two months later, my older brother and his wife were in town for a wedding. They lived a couple states away while he was finishing grad school and begged me to take them to this still empty house. And after some more begging and a few drinks, I did along with another friend As we explored the house, they all agreed there was an unsettling feeling to the place. I'm sure part of that was because of the video I had shown them and the story they had all heard, but it almost made me feel better to hear them say it. While we were there, my brother had his digital recorder he used for longer lectures, while the majority of it was our hushed whispers and one of us commenting on seeing some shadowy figure the eventual sound of a cabinet door being slammed promptly ended our amateur ghost hunt. However, about a week later, he sent me an email attached with audio. Two sounds he picked up were the husky whisper of somebody saying, come here. And later, the incredibly clear sound of a baby cooing. One last thing. I tried doing my own research on the house and nothing of note really came up. However, sometime later, I got a text from a good friend of mine who was an EMT, asking me the name of the street where this now infamous house was. He was telling his instructor this story and they wanted to know. I confirmed the address and his instructor told him that he responded to a call from that house several years ago. A young mother had committed suicide in the bathtub upstairs and the only reason someone called was because the neighbor noticed water coming out from under the middle door. He called the owner, and when they weren't able to get a hold of the tenant, they called in a wellness check. I don't know and didn't ask what happened to the baby. (laughs) A
0: few years ago, I was in a head-on collision with a truck on the highway. I had six of my friends in the car with me, and we all walked away with only scratches and bruises. But the truth is, we shouldn't have. For about three days, I felt like my body was an empty vessel without consciousness. On the third day, I experienced the glitch. I was sitting at my boyfriend's house drinking beer. I placed it on a nightstand next to me as I answered the text from my best friend asking to borrow my denim jacket. I agreed, no problem, as we share all of our clothes. When I looked up, my boyfriend had just entered the room, holding his own beer. This made me want mine, but I went to reach for it and it wasn't there. I looked around the room and I saw that it was all the way across the room and now on a dresser. My boyfriend was not in the room at this time at all and the beer was sitting right next to me. There was no way he could have moved it without me seeing. I tried to shake it off, but it gets weirder. I get home later and I see a denim jacket draped on the kitchen chair but when I inspect it further, it looks nothing like my jacket. My jacket was originally my mom's jacket. She had bought it from the Levi outlets in the 90s. She gave it to me eventually. I've had this jacket forever. It was a staple in my wardrobe, so there was no way I would have been confused about how it looked. So I ask my friend where my jacket is. She says that, It's on the chair in the kitchen. I say no, it must be someone else's, that's not mine. She swears up and down that she left it there, so I bring her to the kitchen and show her. She looks at the jacket and immediately does not recognize it, agreeing with me that it's not my jacket. We have a lot of parties, so thinking someone left it behind and maybe took mine on accident, i just go ahead and pick it up and find multiple craft stains of glitter and puffy paint, all that I had got on the denim jacket my freshman year of college. This is when I get complete goosebumps. We call my other friend who was in the car with us to come and look at it. She agrees that it is not my jacket, and when I show her the stains, her face completely turns white. I went to look at my phone for pictures of me in the jacket and suddenly, I couldn't find any. Now this jacket is also from Levi, but the cut is much tighter and the wash is way darker. There's also stitching on the front that was never there before. My original jacket was oversized cut, very light acid wash. These two jackets are extremely different. For the first day or two, all my friends and roommates had the same reaction as well without me giving any background at all. The theory is, maybe we died in that accident, and my consciousness was transferred to a different timeline, where my mother purchased a different denim jacket. I don't like to wear it as much anymore, partly because it's not as cute as my previous reality jacket, but mostly because it creeps me out a whole lot every time I look at it. I was around 12 years old when this happened. I was sitting on the couch of my childhood home, my back facing the empty space beneath the staircase that led upstairs to our two-story apartment. I was crying profusely into my hands and felt as though the sorrow would never end. Lately, I had hit a sprout of missing my long-dead grandfather. The feeling didn't seem to be subsiding or stopping anytime soon. My grandpa had passed away five years ago due to taking his own life, and I was still so young. It had all been so sudden that I hadn't been able to really comprehend it all back then. All I remember from the funeral is standing on the platform at the front of the church and placing a bouquet of flowers on his casket. The next memory is of sitting back on the benches with my mother, while other relatives took their turns placing flowers on his casket. I was still crying my heart out, the hurt seeming to seep its way into my very bones and destroying me inside. It's safe to say that I loved my grandpa very much, and this was all very hard for me. My mom, who had been sitting quietly next to me during the entire ceremony, suddenly turned to me, Yanked my hand, visibly angry, and told me to stop crying over him. I was shocked, saying that my mom had always been very gentle, emotional, and a very understanding person. She had never really snapped at me like that before. I did stop crying, but I couldn't understand her anger. That's when my memory of this funeral completely cuts out. Five years later, I was cleaning out some cabinets and found a letter tucked away beneath all of the birthday and Christmas cards that no one had the heart to throw away. It was a white sheet of paper that simply read the words, Goodbye, signed, Dad. My heart skipped a few beats when I realized that I was looking at my grandpa's suicide letter that my dad had apparently kept after his passing. Seeing this dislodged something inside of me, and I started mourning my grandpa again like the wound of his departure was still fresh. So there I was, sitting on the couch and crying profusely into my hands. It had been two weeks of this, and there didn't seem to be any end to it. As I was sitting there quietly wishing that I could see him again just once more, my tears suddenly stopped and the hair on the back of my neck stood up. I was frozen in place and staring ahead with wide eyes, too afraid to turn back and look behind me. I could feel something. Something that shouldn't have been there. My heart was beating against my chest, and I knew at that moment that it was him. Somehow, I had gotten my grandpa to manifest in that very room that I was in. Now, I should be happy about this, right? I did get what I was wishing for, just moments before. The only problem is that he was angry, very, very angry to the point of scaring me, and I couldn't for the life of me figure out why. After a minute of sitting there, I sprinted up and retreated to the opposite side of the room, defensively holding my hands before me and looking in the direction where I sensed he was standing. I couldn't see him per se, but I could feel him, clear as day. I could tell he was there, in that room. I ran upstairs to my room and slammed the door shut. I didn't come out the rest of the day. My mind was reeling from what had just happened, but the biggest thing that I was confused about was his volatile energy. Why was he so angry? For the next few months, I remained in the house, mostly pacing back and forth in the living room, or I stayed hidden beneath the staircase. There were a few times he went upstairs and moved about the place, but he never came into my room. He would alternate between anger and uneasiness. We would keep our distance from each other, and he would always move to the other side of the room that I came into. Sometimes he would awkwardly hover a few feet away from me, and kind of follow me around a bit, possibly feeling obligated to do so, since I pretty much conjured him here in the first place. This went on for a while, until his presence and energy started fading little by little, until one day he was just gone. It was a weird and unsettling ordeal, all in all, and I never had another sprout of missing him after that. When I was 15, I was admitted to a psychiatric ward for an attempted suicide, and I had pretty much already forgotten about what had happened back then. There was a group counseling done with some of my family members, and the doctor was going over all of the illnesses and mental illnesses in my family line so that I could better figure out my background and genetic factors and my mental health. It was then that my family started talking about my grandpa and how he had committed suicide by hanging. This came as no surprise to me, but the next bit did. They revealed that he was a violent alcoholic with narcissistic tendencies, and that my dad, uncle, and grandma lived in fear of him. The day he committed suicide, he had a violent fight with my grandma, one that she thankfully was able to flee from in the nick of time. He wasn't one to lose fights and my family thinks that he took his own life and left his body to be found by his own son as a last power move over them. Turns out that if he wouldn't have killed himself first, he probably would have ended up killing my grandma that day. It's safe to say that I now know why he was so angry at being brought back and why he felt so uneasy about staying in the house where his son and grandchildren lived. My mother's reaction to me mourning at his funeral is understandable to me now, though I do not condone chastising children about crying over lost loved ones.
1: For as long as I can remember, my family has always loved telling ghost stories, whether they are their own experiences or ones they have heard from others. There are plenty of ghost stories and tales of the other world in Ireland, some of which are quite sinister. A lot of people around the world know about the Banshee, the terrifying harbinger of death to certain Irish families, or the Leprechaun, the little shoemaker with his pot of gold. But what we experienced one night on holiday in the West might have been something darker. My family is very close and we go on holiday together at least once a year. It was 2007 when my family, along with my cousin's family, went on a camping holiday in a small town on the Kerry Coast, right on the Atlantic. Next stop, America. We would gather at night and listen to music or tell some spooky stories. But one evening, we decided to go visit a ring fort that was just outside the town to see if we could experience anything for ourselves, knowing all about the stories associated with the fairies and ring forts. For those that don't know, a ring fort is an ancient stone fort that is around 2,000 years old and is said to be the dwelling place of the fairy people. So, traditionally, people do not visit them at night out of fear of disturbing the fairies. We went to the ring fort at night and went into ghost hunter mode, calling out for any supernatural visitors that might be there, but to no avail, which was disappointing. We all made our way out of the fort, stooping out of the low doorway and heading back towards the car. My dad was the last one out and ran after us in the pitch dark, saying a stone was thrown at him from inside the fort. We laughed this off, saying he was just being dramatic, but should have known that we had disturbed them and they were not pleased. It was about 11pm when we started making our way back to the campsite, full of excitement but disappointed to have not seen any ghosts. We drove out of the car park, close to the fort, and started to drive up the small country road, darkened by the trees and hedges that arched over the road. Up ahead, we noticed two lights which looked like the headlights of a car coming towards us. I was in my parents' car which was in front of my auntie's car, and we pulled over to let this car pass by us on the tight country road. At the time, I thought it was strange that the headlights on our car did not illuminate the car that was approaching us slowly. After what felt like an eternity, the lights then turned to the left and disappeared. We thought nothing of this assuming it had just turned down another road or into a field, and we drove on. But as we continued up the road, I looked to see where this car had gone, but there was no road for it to have driven down, only hedges all along the roadside. I was freaked out, but didn't say anything to my parents, thinking they would just say I was still excited from being at the fort. When we got back to the campsite, we all sat together in our usual spot and were chatting about our trip to the fort. Eventually, I told everyone what I had seen on the way back, and almost immediately my cousin said that his mom had described to them the exact same thing, but because they did not see it at the time, they brushed it off as her imagination still running wild from the ghost hunt at the Ring Fort. I couldn't believe that we had seen the same thing. And remember, we were in different cars, but what was it? Was it the fairies coming up the road to their fort? There are similar stories going back hundreds of years involving the fairy death coach and would take away an unfortunate person to the fairy realm if they got in its way. The next morning, my cousin and I visited the owner of the campsite, a local man named Moriarty, who knew the story behind every blade of grass in the area, to tell him what we had seen the previous night. He told us a story of a phantom hearse that was known locally to have haunted that road since the time of the Great Potato Famine. Hundreds of people were buried in a mass grave in the field opposite the ring fort. Was it their hearse that we saw that night? All I know is it was something that I will never forget.
0: In February of 2015, I was taking an evening drafting class at a local college. It was less than a 10-minute walk from my house where I lived with my parents, so although it was past 8, dark and cold by the time I was finished, I felt comfortable walking home. The class ended at around 8.30, and I packed up and headed out. I always cut through a large, well-lit parking lot, to get to the walkway that took me directly home. As I entered the parking lot, I saw a man with a grey hoodie, with the hood pulled up over his head and face. His hands were in his pockets. He was walking towards me and looking down. It didn't seem too strange, as there were still some cars in the parking lot. It was very cold out, and lots of programs ran late on this campus. However, however, As he approached, I realized that I had seen him before. This was déjà vu. Now, this is a little hard to explain, but as we walked towards each other, I tried to remember what I saw the first time. I felt locked into this memory, and then I finally remembered it ends with him shooting me. He's now basically beside me, And as this memory hits me, I snap my head to look at him and he suddenly looks at me with this shocked and fearful look on his face before taking off in a full sprint. My heart was racing. I was so confused. I didn't move for a moment and I just stared to where he ran off. The fear gave me energy to run home. And of course, it was the one time that my parents were out for the night so I called my boyfriend at the time who predictably was very alarmed and confused as well, but he did calm me down. I'm in Canada, and the chances of anyone having a gun is incredibly low, which I found reassuring. But for the rest of that class, I had to decide between taking the brightest and fastest route home through that parking lot, or weave around the dark to avoid it. Fortunately, nothing similar had happened since. I haven't had any deja vus for many years, or at least none that I remember, whatever that means. I still think about this encounter. It's easily the most inexplicable and terrifying memory I have. Whatever the intentions of the man, they couldn't have been good. And I hope to never run into anything like that. Again.
1: I didn't see this story sent to the inbox. Was this a let's not meet story by chance?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's some of the newer listeners that aren't familiar with the format of my podcast. They'll send in some stories that are vaguely supernatural or paranormal. So I have to write back to them and say, hey, have you heard of my podcast, Odd Trails? I think this is going to be up your alley. We'd love to share it there. And they're always really excited to find out about it. But yeah, this was a let's not meet submission that just seemed a bit too, uh, a bit too out there for that podcast
1: but it really fits here i i really liked it and that one was from uh, listener nora good old deja vu saving your life love when that happens <laughs> speaking of that do you happen to remember your first deja vu like as a kid or anything like that um
0: yeah it, it, you know it's funny because recently i told a story from this portion of my life on the patreon for let's not me having some crazy crossovers here it was it was about how i was inside so so you remember our play place at our mcdonald's in our hometown which i won't name yeah it had like the the hamburglar with the bars on it like that little Mm -hmm. cage that you would get in yeah we had the syringes all that (laughs) yeah all the syringes i remember being in there and uh there was a man that came up to the opening he couldn't really fit inside because that thing was really tiny uh, but he was trying to get me to go back to his car. He said that he had all of the McDonald's toys. That, uh, he, had, he had collected them all and he wanted me to come choose one. Uh, this was the time when they were doing those Disney toys that were in the little movie boxes. And uh, my cousin came by and kind of scared him off by uh, trying to get into the, trying to move him out of the way to get into the Hamburglar, if I remember it correctly. He, he just kind of took off But it was kind of around the same time in that era of my life, I was probably seven or eight years old. I was playing at that McDonald's play place outside and I got dizzy and I looked around and I realized like, Oh my God, what's going on? I didn't understand that it was like, I didn't understand that Deja deja Vu was something where it felt like you lived that moment before. Mm -hmm. That didn't really click with me. Only thing that clicked with me was things are weird right now. Right. It wasn't until later when it would happen over and over again that I realized what was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to get it a lot. I don't get it as much anymore, but I used to get it a ton when I was a little kid. Wow. Um, And yeah, I was at McDonald's and I was just like looking around like, oh, wow, I've experienced all this before.
1: Speaking of abductions, I don't really have a notable deja vu story off the top of my head mm-hmm. but i don't think i've told you this story it's not very eventful but i was at a fast food establishment and uh, some older guy came up and just gave my friend and i some empty cups to get some soda i was like all right cool whatever nothing's in here you didn't i hope he didn't at least put anything in there so yeah. we got ourselves some soda and as we're about to leave, he kind of stops us and tries to offer us a vague job working for him. And uh, of course, you know, we're thinking money, so we're yeah. like, yeah, we're down. And we follow him outside of the Jack in the Box, not really anticipating to go with him anywhere. And he leads us to his trailer, which was in the Walmart parking lot, because you know, you can do that at Walmart. Yeah. And he tries to get us to go into his trailer to meet his wife and all the stuff and talk about business. And that's when, yeah, that's when all the alarms started going crazy. So at this point, my friend and I were pretty freaked out. And we just jumped on our bikes and took off. Didn't even say goodbye. And we get like halfway, because this is a big, big complex full of big box stores and all that. Yeah. And we get all the way down to the stop sign. And then we finally turn around. And this dude is driving towards us. And I I wish I could say like, oh, he almost caught up to us. And then we had a heroic escape. But... No, we just turned from the stop sign and he never caught up to us, but it was pretty wild, I would say. His vibe, I didn't really get into his vibe, but he definitely, like, looking back now as an adult, yeah, he for sure, like, I probably wouldn't be here today. Yeah, I wonder if it was the
0: same guy, I mean, just abducting people in fast food uh, parking lots and stuff.
1: So I like that, this little let's not meet crossover. I'm thinking we could have some more of this in the future. Yeah,
0: definitely. I mean, we're doing the Midsummer Scream Horror Convention at the Long Beach uh, convention Center, and that's on July thirtieth. Don't forget about that. That's basically a Let's Not Meet and Odd Trails crossover. So we hope to see you guys there. And uh thanks for listening. This week you have heard Weird Witch Lady by Jacqueline B. twenty sixteen, A Story by Bryce, The Jacket by Principessa, The Phantom Hearse by Derag, Conjuring Up My Grandpa by Elizabeth And finally, Deja Vu by Nora. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you've got a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. And if you want to get access to our Patreon for the ad-free version of all of these episodes at a higher bitrate for the best quality listening experience, head over to patreon.com forward slash oddtrails to support the show today or follow that link in the show notes. We'll see you next time for a brand new episode of Odd Trails. Stay safe. Peace out.